0: What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to episode 11 of Behind the Founder podcast. My name is Jonathan Margell. I will be your host today. Thank you for rocking with us. We have such a sick episode today. Dwight Powell from the Dallas Mavericks, six year beauty in the NBA, coming to you from Toronto, Canada. Dwight just touched down in Orlando in the bubble in Disney World. Getting ready for the NBA to kick back up. So cool. Such a timely conversation. So many interesting things that we're going to dive deep into. Going to chit-chat about Canada basketball, sneakers, some rapid-fire questions for fun, sports cards. So many cool things. I can't wait for everyone listening to this to listen to the rest. You know what I mean? Captain Kaplan, you did not disappoint. I texted you last night. I said... Today's beat has to be the sickest beat. A lot of people are going to listen to it. Hook it up, baby. And what happened? You did it. What a jam, man. The beat is just nasty. Ugh. Ugh. (laughs) Captain Kaplan, you never disappoint. It's such a fun part. It's such a highlight every week, talking with you, coming up with these beats, cooking up all the sauce on the oven, man. God bless you. Thank you for everything, my brother. So let's get into the interview. It's just around the corner. Let's just let this beat play for a few more seconds. And we are going to get Dwight Powell on the line and get things poppin'. Welcome to Behind the Founder Podcast, Dwight. So nice to have you join me today.
1: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: And I appreciate you taking the time to chat while you're isolating in Disney before the NBA season picks back up. <laughs> what a time to be alive, eh?
1: Oh, what a time, man. It's it's a strange world, but just trying to stay safe out here. So when
0: when did you arrive in Orlando?
1: We literally just got here about six hours ago or so. So yeah, we flew. Go in, got tested, and then have been just hanging out in our our room since.
0: So the test, the results probably take a little bit of time. So you're just hanging out in the property, you're not moving, you're staying in the room.
1: We need to have two consecutive negative tests with, I think, at least 12 hours in between or something like that. So we arrived, got tested immediately, immediately went to our respective rooms, and we're not allowed to leave um, for 36 to 48 hours, depending on how long the test results take to come back. So once you get, two, once you get both your tests back negative, then, then we can leave our rooms. We can interact with our, with our teammates, just our team, and we'll have practices and stuff for a couple of weeks. And then after that, we'll kind of be able to adventure and kind of check the campus out a little bit more.
0: Wow. What a cool time to, to be talking to you at the <laughs> yeah. beginning of your, your lockdown in the hotel room.
1: Yeah, hopefully hopefully my opinions of everything don't change as we go along, but optimistic right now.
0: <laughs> For sure. And how are you eating? I saw some sketchy meal trays on IG yesterday. Some of the other players were <laughs> posting pics. I don't
1: know. You know what? What that dish was? It's actually not it's those pictures are accurate, but if you think about it, they're trying to give us meals the safest way, you know, as sanitary as possible. They don't want to have any fancy dishes that have to be passed from person to person. These are all disposable containers that they take out of plastic that are, haven't been touched and they're not contaminated. So the appearance is going to be a little sketchy just because of that off the bat. But I don't know. I'm I'm like... I can get by on almost anything, so I'm not complaining. The food is it's warm and it's and it's free and it's in the room ready to go, so <laughs> I'm, I'm all good.
0: I don't know what one of the appetizer trays I saw looked like rabbit food, chicken food, like <laughs> carrot sticks and sketchy.
1: I mean, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> this, 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 it's not elaborate. It's not very elaborate, but you know what? We're gonna tough it out because people they're they're in worse situations that you know are getting by on far less. So making making do.
0: Are you excited to slip away to the Disney boardwalk, grab some Cheesecake Factory, and forget about the nightmare of the trays?
1: So it'll be interesting because I don't think we're gonna have the access to kind of move freely in those type of areas. I think we'll have to either organize as a team and set it up through the NBA to kinda of have a our own private time or have it, you know, delivered to the room. But we have room service available within the hotel even right now and then I think probably the day after tomorrow we'll have access to I think five or six like good local restaurants that we can kinda of Uber Eats style, bring some food into the to the property. So we'll we'll be fine. We'll be fine.
0: It's so cool. It's I'm I'm so interested. It it's it's a first, that's for sure. And and maybe a last. So it's it's so cool that you're you're living through this, you're experiencing this. So I, I happen to have a very long and intimate relationship with sports in general. I happen to be a huge fan of the NBA, probably way ahead of hockey which which is pretty weird. I'm born and raised in Montreal. Uh, it's so cool for me to have you as a guest. I'm really looking forward into jumping into all sorts of topics together, getting rolling with some questions that I have prepared. Uh, before I forget, have to take a second thank our mutual dear friend Avi Glina for lining up the conversation. The ultimate beauty. Um curious how you guys met actually.
1: Yeah, I mean I feel like you know better than me, of course. And for anyone out there listening that doesn't know of uh, he's the kind of guy that once you've known him for two weeks, it feels like you've known him for your whole life. So like I I'm, I'm trying to think back to a specific moment, but it feels like we've known each other forever. He's just that kind of guy. He's that welcoming, that warm. But yeah, he's he's been a great mentor for me, great friend. And yeah, I'm glad he could make this connection.
0: And for me too. He's uh he's a two time mentor and two time friend. He's a very special dude. Absolutely he mentioned to me today you have some sort of a playstation go bag something hopefully (laughs) to hold you down uh for the next couple days in isolation what does that what does that look like did you bring that with you
1: yeah it's one of those all-in-one briefcases that you kind of just you plug the briefcase into the wall and then like the top half of the briefcase is like a a little mini flat screen and then i have the xbox kind of in the bottom and then the controllers and all the wires are you know like kind of inside of it so regardless of what they had in here i was i was ready to at least try to game a bit but fortunately i can actually connect it to the tv so i got the 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 dual screen action i don't know if it's gonna help me or hurt me but we'll see how it goes
0: (laughs) is that a thing do do a lot of the nba players have these uh little xbox boombox i don't even know
1: yeah i i just got mine for this trip but i've seen a bunch of guys with them on the plane because like Some of them, there's kind of small enough you can sit on your lap or on like a tray table, but it kind of just takes the guesswork out of the road hotel. So regardless of what kind of TV setup you got, you can at least get on the sticks a bit.
0: You know, I've, I've been historically a big gamer, not since my wife got pregnant. And then since we've had kids and I'm actually in my head waiting for my son to be at the age where I can play (laughs) with him. It's, it's, Honestly, it's gonna be like uh, like an eight year retirement, and then I'm just <laughs> gonna jump jump right back in like I never left.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully, it's still like in the same format by then. Who knows? It might just be, you know, put on the glasses, take a pill, and you're living the living the game. You know, who knows?
0: <laughs> you never know. We've seen enough movies like that already. So you grew up in Toronto. You went to play high school ball in the Sunshine State at a very fine prep school. You journeyed all the way out west. You you to study and play in the Pac 10 at Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal. What a mascot, by the way. (laughs) A second round draft pick, 2014 NBA draft, Michael Jordan, Charlotte Hornets, little pit stop in Boston. Traded very quickly to Cleveland. And then you established yourself six foot ten, two hundred and forty pounds, certified beauty holding it down in the paint for the Dallas Mavericks. Is that a good summary?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It was flip-flop Boston and, and Cleveland, and spot on. But yeah.
0: So you know what? Perfect lead to my next question. How did it <laughs> feel bouncing around a little bit very early on in your career? Especially considering you got drafted quite high. It's a lot of movement right away.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely a, a good first experience i think there's definitely a bunch of guys that kind of start their career in a classic way and you know get their lottery pick have their contract and just go about their business but i think for me um and the player that i've developed into that period of time was was crucial um and i think without it, i wouldn't be here so i'm definitely grateful for it but it was high anxiety high stress a lot of pressure and pretty confusing so firstly when i was drafted it happened like i didn't go to the draft i was in toronto just watching on tv and I was actually drafted during like a commercial break on like the Canadian network. So, like, I didn't even see when I got drafted. So, that was kind of the jump off.
0: Probably the worst commercials, too, eh? <laughs> How about a like, little Canadian tire, stupid mower commercial every yeah. time.
1: I don't even know what it was, but it's probably like subliminally, I'll never buy whatever they were selling, but I don't even know what it is at this point.
0: <laughs> sorry, sorry.
1: Anyway, it was, that was kind of the, the start of it all. So, when I found out where I was where I thought I was going and then very quickly got traded um, that night. was kind of like a wake up call and, and my agent and, and my coach and, and my family were like, Hey, you love the game. The game's loved you so far. And it's always been your, your passion, but now this is your job. This is, this is a career. It's not just a, a sport. So you have to remember it's a business and these people are making decisions based on what's in the best interest of their company. And they're going to look out for you. I'm sure in, in the ways that they can, but at the end of the day they, they owe it to their city to look out for their cities. They're going to make decisions irregardless of your emotions. And I think learning that helped me really focus on my craft as a, as a professional. and made me kind of approach the game um, a little more strategically and, and find ways to make sure that what I was bringing to the table was something that um, was you know worthy of being at the table. And um, it's not to look down on what I was or, or feel bad about myself for you know, being moved around. It was more motivation than anything. And Um, yeah, but it was, a it was a difficult time.
0: Did you have anyone or an agency helping you out early on in your career? You made a lot of big decisions as a young man enrolling at IMG Academy, studying and playing at Stanford over other potentially stronger basketball programs. I'd love to better understand how your professional career unfolded.
1: Yeah. So going back to the very beginning, I guess. My coach, who you know, Vlad Matewski in Toronto, he literally plucked me off of the street. I was on the streetcar going to, I was on the high, ch- high jump team and I was going to work out at U of T. And, and he literally just saw me and said, Hey, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to practice high jump. Like, who are you? <laughs> he was like, yeah. I'm a basketball coach. You're going to come play for my team. And I'm like, um, and he's like, Give me your number. I'll call you. Come to my team. I'm like, How about you give me your number and we'll, you know, figure this out <laughs> at some other time? Yeah, long story short, I ended up calling him, joining his team, and through playing with him with the Toronto Five O, I met Ro Russell, who is the head coach and like the you know, the, the godfather of grassroots basketball in, in Toronto and, and through some of those connections was lucky enough to, to make my way to IMG. But yeah, it was it was tough decision making. It was I didn't have an agent until until after college a lot of my coaches along the way they were kind of learning as I was learning so yeah going to going to IMG was a big leap of faith for me and it was it was betting on myself and it was yeah I look back now as 20 years old and I look at that 15 year old kid with that decision in his hands and I'm like like damn bro like <laughs> that was that's pretty uh pretty ballsy so They're big moves. Yeah, I'm proud I made the decision but looking back it was it was pretty sketchy. it was like it was pretty you know blind but but I knew if I worked hard and and I made the right sacrifices and dedicated myself that I was going to at least get what I deserved so so yeah that was, that's how it all started and why Stanford of all schools? Uh, education was always big for me um, that was something my mom ingrained in me at a very young age. Um, she was a a life learner as they call it. she didn't graduate formally from university but as she worked her way up through the ranks in uh, the Canadian bank system she would get go to night school or get online accredited courses done so that she could you know get to the next level and the next level and the next level and that was throughout her whole life so watching that growing up she kind of led by example with that and and reinforced it with me so I definitely wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to get the most out of my my talent and the most out of basketball and that's to find a school like Stanford that that wanted me was was ideal because of their world class level of it, education as well as one of the, the best basketball conferences in the US. And and they had a great coach there, Johnny Dawkins, who had the same mentality as me as far as developing as a man and as a player. So um, it was it was a perfect fit.
0: Was Harbaugh the football coach when you were when you were an athlete there?
1: Yeah, when I first got there, yeah.
0: They were a powerhouse that year or those those couple years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Andrew Luck was, was a beast.
0: Yeah, wow. That was like uh, I think they played in the Orange Bowl in, in mm-hmm. South Florida one of the years I checked that out. That was uh that was a really good time to to be a fan at those games. Did did you go to the football games?
1: Yeah, I went to I went to a couple, but I mean, once you're in the mix at Stanford, I mean, if you ask any athlete that's there, it's, it's a lot. So <laughs> we definitely support each other as athletes, but once you get going and, and classes start, it's, it gets tough. But luckily, they start before classes start, so we get, get a chance to check them out.
0: Were you guys in one, one of the tournaments in, in March Madness or NIT that year?
1: No, no. My first year, we, we opted out of the CBI and ended our season early.
0: It's been six seasons in the NBA to date. What have you learned the most from being a professional basketball player? And what advice would you give to your rookie self?
1: So what have I learned to date? I mean, there's, there's a long list of things that I've picked up along the way. And um, I think they all kind of a compounding effect, obviously, when you learn in a, in a game like this, and everything builds on the last thing. So I've been very fortunate to have a great series of vets through, through my six years and, and a great series of coaches that have passed on to the tricks of the trade and and really set an example. I I was lucky to play with Dirk, I think, most of all, as far as my learning experience, because as a player, you kind of look to the best player on your team or the best player kind of in your neighborhood or whatever it is and and see what they're doing and, and you try to do it better or at least emulate it. And for a guy that was in a stage of his career where he was already accepted and acknowledged as one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest European players, a revolutionary big man and all these things both at the NBA level and the FIBA level, um, I kind of had an expectation to see him kind of, you know, just do what he does and and coast. But he was a grinder, and, and that's when he could barely walk. Like, his body was failing him, and he was a grinder. He was in there first, last to leave, working on his game, like, not just, like, sitting on the table getting massages. He was, like, working on specific aspects of his, you know, offensive arsenal. And when I saw that, I was like, all right, there's no way I can let this guy... Outwork me especially with all he's already accomplished and how little i've accomplished so um, he made it cool to work out for me he, he like set the example that this is not only what you're supposed to do in the expectation but it's 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 necessary to kind of hang around
0: so that's the big advice is hit the gym hard and hit it early
1: yeah so biggest advice is yeah don't don't be afraid to make the sacrifices to be great don't be afraid to make the sacrifices to improve and i think sometimes we we let outside pressures we know what we need to give up to get better at whatever it is like i think anyone could give advice to their to themselves yesterday on what they could have done better i think the biggest obstacle is giving yourself that advice beforehand and and just doing it um so whether that's like okay I'm going to stay in the gym and get 100 shots and then well tomorrow I'll get 200 we'll make it today you get 300 and then tomorrow you get 400 or whatever it is and obviously you want to work smart but the biggest advice even even though I would consider myself a hard worker would be to myself would be work even harder because the the sky is a limit especially the younger you are and if you can sacrifice the things that you don't intend on being great at anyway and put that energy towards something important then um, you can achieve some some really cool things.
0: That's a really good answer. It's a special answer. Do you have a specific memory or story where you realized, wow, I have a very good chance at making basketball my profession?
1: That's a tough question, you know. I've been asked that obviously before. The short answer is no. There's definitely not been one moment where I was like, Okay, this is this is the reality, this is it, like I made it or I'm about to make it or anything like that. And I think that has been an important part of my journey is never having that moment. And I, and I, to an extent, I still haven't had that, that moment of like, I've made it. I think I have big aspirations and and dreams. And I, and I always have as far as, as basketball is concerned and life in general. But I, I was taught very early on that the moment, you know, when you're running the sprint and you look to your side to see where the guy beside you is, is when you watch him go by. So I've had the blinders on for, for a long time. And when the race is done, I'll, I'll take them off and, and see where I'm at. But yeah, I'm still working as hard as I was when I was on a non-guaranteed rookie deal. And I'm still working as hard as I was when I was trying to earn a you know starting spot on my college team. And, and as hard as I was when I was like the twig from Canada who came down to Florida to try to you know do something with the game of basketball. So I'm going to hopefully maintain that drive through the rest of my career. Does it ever feel weird to be famous? See that's again it's kind of a weird answer for me because I don't feel famous. I mean, people will recognize me for basketball and and like say hi once in a while and like some kids maybe I mean you're you're in
0: big D, you're in Toronto, you're walking around, someone saying what's up pretty often. It's it's hitting you. It's hitting you from all angles, you know?
1: Yeah, but like again, my perspective on it is I, I was I was that person that was like if I saw Chris Bosh walking down Dundas I'm screaming you know, yo Chris Bosh what up like you know what I mean I would be like whatever it is but now that I'm in it and I've seen how some other guys are treated like I don't consider myself even close to famous con- compared to them because like I remember my rookie year I was I was talking to Dirk and I was like to like, go dirty this movie just came out like we're going to go go watch it you trying to go and he's like where are you going to watch it like the movie theater, and he's like, Okay, but where? I'm like, In the mall, and he's like, I don't go to the mall, kid, and just walked away. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> and he was like, Kind of joking, but kind of like dead serious. He does not go to the mall because it's like, Not only is it annoying for him because he can't physically move because people would just crowd him, but it's also like annoying for the people in the mall because he creates this spectacle. So I can go to the mall <laughs> and I can go watch a movie if I want to.
0: You're lucky. I mean, honestly. It's way better to be in that situation. You could at least do things. You don't have to freak out all the time, so it's it's actually not the worst. No, absolutely. You know, you know what 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 I think about all the time about about the NBA, it's 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 very popular all over the world. It's I mean, you can't even compare it to other sports. It's it's Asia, Europe, uh, South America, North America, just everyone loves basketball. Like people watching your games all over the planet. It's insane.
1: Yeah, It's crazy. And it's growing too, which is even more cool. How could it grow more? Well, because what's cooler is now, like like you said, people are watching all over the world, but that's that's just the first step. So once they're watching, then next thing they're playing, and next thing they're building their own league, next thing they're producing NBA players. And I think we're getting close to that. We're at that stage now. Like If you look at the league, how international um, the NBA is right now, I think a big part of that is these kids are growing up and it's normal for them to be watching like LeBron and to watch Kobe when he was playing rest in peace and watch, watch all these amazing players where that are thousands of miles away. So then they have that drive, they have that competition level and then they just evolve into, into these great players like that we see today from, from all over the world.
0: What about those two big Euro beauties, Porzingis and Doncic? They fell in love with the game many kilometers away.
1: That's perfect example. And I think they both obviously have their own, well, I guess they have their own unique journey, but they also kind of have very similar journeys. They both kind of went to Spain and then made their way to the NBA, but at a very young ages, they were very talented, and, and both of them were big NBA fans. So yeah, that just goes to show how much, how much this game is growing and how the, the allure of the NBA is, is enticing these guys to come over.
0: It's really special. It's really unique. It's, it's I mean, to me, after soccer, it's basketball. Biggest international sport, in in my opinion. How does it feel being a Canadian-born NBA star? What direction do you see Basketball Canada headed in in the near future? There's a lot of beauties coming out of Canada in the league right now. Shortlist, Corey Joseph, RJ Barrett, Chris Boucher, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kelly Olenek, Andrew Wiggins tristan kardashian ignaz bradzingis and yourself that's a lot of sick players that's a good team
1: oh yeah and the list keeps going i mean we got Shea gill just alexander we got um jamal murray like there's so many guys now which i think is is amazing it's it's such a i'm so proud of that fact and that that number continuing to grow um and i think that that will soon, very soon, be reflected in in our national team um, production as far as medals are concerned, as far as qualifying is concerned. I think this this has been an obviously crazy, unusual, strange year um, for everyone, but I think it's given a lot of guys a chance to like really start. We're going to be missing it even more now, national team, when it comes back around. Hopefully, that's next spring. But yeah, I, I only see the the Canadian basketball culture, Canadian basketball production, Canadian national team growing more and more um, every generation. Are you
0: tight with any of the other Canadians in the league?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been tight with, with Corey and Tristan from, from a young age. That that kind of second decision node that I made that I talked about earlier when I went with Grassroots Canada, um, those guys were both on that team. We played together and we did the, the AU circuit together and all that and obviously been close with a bunch of the guys on the national team throughout the years but yeah i think i think it's crazy because the the pool of guys that we have now is getting so big that it's like your guys are popping up that like you haven't played with and that's like a weird thing now <laughs> you know like usually if you're if you're in a foreign country playing basketball and, and you have a guy that's from your native land playing against you like you should have some common like Like playing memory, like either you played against each other in high school or played together in AU or OBA or whatever. But now now there's just so many guys from all over. It's it's a beautiful thing.
0: And do you ever chat about international play with your with your peers? Do you guys ever talk about what it's gonna take to actually bring the national program to the next level? Personally, I get a little discouraged seeing all of the best players every year they drop out. Like, why is that going on? What is it going to take to get Canada on the podium?
1: Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I obviously didn't play last year, and that was that was like one of the toughest decisions that I've made in my career. Um, that was for FIBA. Yeah, so the issue for me there was was making sure that I was healthy first and foremost, and then going into the last year with the role that I have on this team, wanted to make sure I was prepared for that, and then unfortunately things didn't work out so i got injured anyway and i'm rehabbing but (laughs) um, everything happens for a reason so i'm just gonna take it in stride but but yeah we definitely need to to have everyone if if we have everyone on board we can do some crazy amazing things um but i think we have a a great core group of guys and we can just get a few more in there that are ready to go then that would make a, a massive difference and and the sky is really the limit for our squad just because of the depth the potential depth that we have and, and the, st- the varying styles of play and um what we can do there and and obviously now we have coach nurse who's who's a great season coach and and uh and knows what he's doing and gonna put us in position to be successful so i'm definitely looking forward to when this this whole pandemic situation is over we can get some a solid idea of what's going to be next so is it very possible that you're going to be re- wearing the maple leaf
0: representing Canada in the Olympics whenever they happen?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, God willing that I'm healthy and, and that there is an Olympics um, and whatever, whatever comes first as well, the qualifier, whatever it may be. I don't know how the, the situation is going to affect the progression to the, the Olympics, but yeah, I, I definitely want to have that Jersey and that flag um, on my chest. It's, it's a very prideful moment for me. It's, It's a way to represent my friends and family in a a very special, very unique way. And there's very few ways that you can represent your country. And I'm not a soldier. So to be able to do it in a way that I love, in a game that I love, it's a a very unique opportunity that I think is something we should all cherish as players.
0: It's going to happen. And do yourself and the country a favor and DM everyone in the list that I mentioned before and make sure that they show up. Because honestly, that's a good team. Those are a lot of sick players. Plus you mentioned a few extra. Oh, for sure. I mean, let's get that going. It's it's time. No, absolutely. Next question. Very curious about this. Do you ever say A? Have you kept or do <laughs> you feel that you kept your Canadian accent over the years? Are any other players bugging you?
1: So as you know from Toronto, there's like there's like a more there's a Toronto accent too. But like I think I've been here for so long that like I speak completely straight. For like lack of a better word, as far as like no accent here or there, outside of like Canadian pronunciation of like progress or something like that. But yeah, I don't know if I'm. It depends who I'm talking to. Like on the phone, some guys will give me like a side eye if they see me on like FaceTime with one of my boys back home. They're like, "Yo, what did you say?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, you wouldn't understand, but it's okay." <laughs> for me, I spent a
0: lot of time in the states. All the time, whatever city, those there's going to be two people. Oh, he said it. He said it. The Canadians yeah, yeah. said it. Every every time, all the time.
1: I, I kind of like it. It reminds me that like I'm Canadian. So if it slips out and somebody calls me on it, I'm, I'm not mad about it. So what?
0: Deal with the maple leaf. That's it. <laughs> Being in Orlando for a few hours now, I'm assuming you've mingled with a few players and teammates in transit. You've been texting people, calling, FaceTime, whatever. People you've spoken to on your team and the league. What's the overall feeling about the process of, of returning to play?
1: Guys are excited for the most part. I think there's a little apprehension and anxiety obviously associated with the unknown, especially in a circumstance like this where it's not only unknown as far as like the setting and the circumstance, but we don't really know what's going on in the world right now. So we're already coming in with kind of a baseline of anxiety that um, we're all going to have to you know, deal with. But for the most part, guys are most excited to compete. I think the only tricky part is we have to go through this kind of protocol to make sure it's done correctly. So these first couple of weeks are going to be the tough you know, stretch. And then I think after that, it's going to be, at least I think, in my opinion, business as usual in terms of competition. Um, the setting will be unique, and we're going to be all in Disney Resort hotels. But guys, want to compete? It's it's tough to just have a a full stop randomly in the season like we did, and especially before the playoffs. Guys, you know, build up for so long for that moment um, through the summer, through the preseason, through training camp, through the regular season, and then after All Star. And there's there's a lot that you know goes into that. So to have it just cut. So abruptly, a lot of guys are kind of just drifting and kind of lost. So to be back in the fold and with the team and about to start real practices and then and then real competition, guys are, are really excited for that. I saw Serge Ibaka
0: post about this famous bubble ring. What is that exactly? Do
1: you <laughs> have one yet? No, mine's not in here yet, but um, I got sized for it. It's an aura ring, I think it's called, and it's like it'll measure your – it'll measure your heart rate and it'll measure your temperature and it'll give you an average of both during different phases of the day. So like activity, at rest, during sleep. And theoretically, I guess what they're claiming is that it can predict symptoms before you can feel them as far as, as related to COVID-19. So I guess everyone has kind of a, a baseline average temperature that their body kind of can drop to and raise to. And they it can notice like, minor changes in that before you would show a fever i guess so that's what i've my understanding of what it's for so don't i don't know what else is in there what other plans are associated but that's my understanding
0: are you worried about catching the rona down in orlando what are you doing to stay corona
1: free right now um am i worried to catch the rona no Uh, am, am i being extra cautious absolutely what are the big moves so obviously the 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 three big ones as far as like social distancing wearing a mask at all times when i'm like outside of like my private area and and washing my hands like like constantly and using hand sanitizer constantly but um it's tough when it's something like this and like i'm not overly religious person but when it's something that's you know affecting the whole world i kind of have to look at it as Hey, do what you can do, do your best. But whatever happens is, you know, that's the way it's going to happen. So, um, obviously be smart and that's what I'm doing, but it's not like something that I'm losing sleep over doing the best I can.
0: What did that goodie bag look like that the NBA left on your pillowcase today? Cause for sure you got something, little (laughs) hand sanitizer, little spritz. There's gotta be something in there.
1: Yeah, it was kind of weird. Actually, we got the, you know, the obligatory, um, like, portable charger. I think I have about 25 NBA portable, like, battery chargers over the <laughs> course of my career. We actually got a a portable, I'll call it an air conditioning unit, which is like, it's like a, it almost looks like a headset, like a over-the-ears headphones, but it's a fan. So it, like, blows air on your neck, I guess, which is... I don't know. We'll see if I use that, but unique, unique gift. That was this year? Yeah, that that's sitting right here on the side table. <laughs> and then we got a bunch of like snacks. We got a a speaker with like a little aromatherapy like component. I don't know. If I haven't tried it out yet. Um, got like a little fire stick for the TV and yeah, some hand sanitizer, a bunch of masks. Yo, that's not bad. No, it's good. We got some sanit a bunch of sanitizing stuff for like, like UV light sanitizer for your phone. And I
0: haven't figured out if that's a gimmick yet or not. I, I'm tempted to buy it. I saw like a little toaster that you like, you stip your your phone in the toaster and it goes down and it goes up and like, it's like, oh, it's clean. But I, I don't know if I believe it, man.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've, I haven't i have like studied it at all about, I don't know, how light affects bacteria and different types and, and all that. So, I mean, as long as it's not going to, hurt me i'll I'll give it a try but then again makes sense you don't even know about that so
0: what are the top couple changes that you feel are around the corner the league is going to be making in the long run or medium run due to covid
1: it's going to be tough to pack arenas i think right now for sure um for obvious reasons um the first being legal and the second being you know morally if it's if it's a safe and and good idea to to try and do so um, I think that's going to be the weirdest thing. I think this will be a good preview as as to how we could potentially deal with that as far as the setup that we'll have here in Orlando, which will be, there won't be very many fans. There there won't be any fans from the public. There, there are going to be a few NBA execs, NBA staff, a few media, and then a few players if they choose to watch other games. But it's going to be a very small group, and there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote artificial sound, which... I think a lot of it will actually be real game sound, but obviously from previous games, previous or arena sound rather, from previous games throughout the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be one of the weirdest adjustments is not have, having a packed house, for, for example, for a finals game. That's going to be weird. I haven't played in the finals, but I, I know it gets ridiculously loud in there and it affects you physically. Like You can feel it in the bottom of your lungs. You can feel it in your chest. Um, in some of these louder arenas. And I don't know how they're going to replicate that um, artificially, but that's going to be something very strange going forward for sure. I mean, a lot of people listening
0: probably saw the MJ documentary. There was a couple of scrimmages in that. Boys were going hard on the court. I almost feel that if it's quiet or empty like that that could be a battle i i feel like it it, it could be an even better game potentially
1: yeah when, it, when people have asked me about that so far i remind them like hey we've like we've had fights in practice like when there's literally no one watching and no one's gonna ever watch you know so a lot of the most i would say 99 percent of the guys that are in this league are here because they're fierce competitors and that's whether the lights are on or not that's that's the card game on the plane. That's, you know, that's just like rock, paper, scissors on the bus. Like it's the guys in this league are competitors. So you put them up against the best, they're going to want to prove themselves. And that doesn't really matter who's watching. So, but fortunately in this situation, the world is watching. So even though they're not there in person, it's yeah. Like you said, these are going to be some intense, competitive, high level games because guys have been sitting around, you know, twiddling their thumbs, waiting to, to go at someone and and this will be their
0: chance. So you mentioned earlier that you're injured. I actually didn't want to bring it up. It's sad. I wish you all the best. I, I know you're gonna come back stronger. You're completely killing it. Recently, you're you're on another level. It's it's gonna pick back up. So right now, I, I read some some articles. So I believe team teammates are allowed to sit one row behind, two rows behind. Like you're you're gonna be at all of the Dallas games. And and I think I read that other NBA players can see other NBA games?
1: Mm, yeah. They'll be like, I'm not sure how they're going to decide how many guys or who specifically gets to go to which games, but they'll, I'm sure it'll be some sort of raffle program, uh, program or process or whatever, because it's not going to be, you know, full house at all by any means. It's going to be socially distanced seats and there'll be specific sections with their own specific entrances and exits. But as for me, as I'll be treated as part of the team, so I'll be, you know, on our bench. But our benches won't be like you've seen. They're gonna be socially distanced benches. It's not gonna be like eight guys sitting in a row. It's everyone's gonna have their own designated chair and they're gonna be, you know, whatever, four and a half, six feet apart from each other. And yeah, it's gonna look a little a little different. It's
0: so crazy talking to you about that. I, I mean I'm I'm sweating. I'm Concerned about uh, I, I I co-founded a software company, so I'm concerned. Oh, how many spaces, how many desks do we need between front end and back end developers? And and you're going through the same stuff on the bench, starting eight. Everyone move apart. Like there there's there's no one that's exempt. This this is something that's that's affecting everyone in all industries all around the world. It's it's crazy. So I happen to be a huge sneakerhead. I am very curious what shoes you choose to wear on the court. Are you rocking a custom pair? Are you rocking someone else's model? Did you sign with the sneaker company? Tell me what I want to hear.
1: (laughs) All right. So I'm a Nike athlete. So Nike shoes as well, obviously. So the thing is for me is my sneaker headedness is like, I love collecting shoes, but I'm very selective with the ones that I wear. Now, if there's a special occasion i might take something out you know out of the freezer off ice if need be but a lot of my favorite shoes i've literally not even laced up yet <laughs> so and my style of play if you've seen how i you know compete my shoes get tore up and I, it will break my heart to you know destroy some of those ones that i have only one of or that i had to hunt for to find so i mean i don't know how pj tucker does it it's It's impressive. but also kind of makes me cringe too at the same time um, with the kind of, you know, heat that he puts out there. But yeah, I try to wear Kobe's. I've been wearing Kobe's for a long time and the models that I wear kind of get hard to find at times, but through the same channels that, you know, I find my, my collectible shoes. I try to use those to get, to get some Kobe's as well. But this year, this past year I wore the freak ones as well because they had them on Nike ID so I could, you know, do my own thing with them, which was kind of cool. I've worn LeBrons before my rookie year, um, which was kind of a chance situation where Amari Stoudemire signed with us for after the All Star break to make a to make a playoff push, and we didn't make much of a push. But he had a bunch of custom LeBrons made for to potentially get us through the finals, and we're the same size, and he didn't want him, and he he left and, and was done with you know the NBA at that time, so. I was like, hey, I mean, if you're going to throw them out, I'll take them. And I had, <laughs> I had enough shoes to last me like a year and a half, which was, which was cool. But Why didn't you stick with the LeBrizzles? Because it was just that one model that I liked. I don't even remember which one it was, but it had like a almost a diagonal zipper as well as a strap, and it just like, it fit my foot well, and they were like really sick custom. Like, they were not like Nike ID custom. They were like a guy bought a bunch of like normal stock LeBrons, and then like, Hand did it himself and had like different bottoms on them and, and paint jobs and all that stuff. And they were sweet, but I wasn't about to like try to maintain that level of, you know, artistry on, on the shoes myself. So I was just fortunate to, to get those hand me downs.
0: I don't know what the right metric is if it's per week, per month, per quarter. <laughs> How many pairs of shoes do you do you go through? Are, are you destroying
1: a pair a day, a week, a month? I have no idea. So I usually have a rotation of about five shoes um during the season um at any given time and each shoe will probably last me if the rotation is even it'll usually last me about two months so like, i don't really go through shoes that fast comparatively speaking so my two, like luca goes through them like like this like, he goes through them like i don't even know what to compare it to like like tissue paper like <laughs> come on some a lot of them are, are one game use some of them are half game use some of them be just in no, layup not. lines and then he switches them out like his locker, no. like the shoes in his locker are just like pouring out into the whole locker room. It's crazy. And now that he's Jordan, it's even more. So it's it's unreal.
0: Is that the ultimate power move or, or like it's a the superstition? Like the, the it's insane. That doesn't make sense.
1: I think he just, he loves shoes, one. And two, I think so long as like he keeps wearing them, they'll send him whatever he wants because everybody wants him to have their shoes on his feet. So um, he definitely takes advantage of the situation for sure. Cause he loves a fresh pair of kicks.
0: How happy is UNICEF eh? a lot of donations.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> this out of the layup line, he's chucking a pair.
1: Oh yeah. I've seen it firsthand. He put on a pair like a, like a sick pair that he just was excited to wear. And he'll wear it through layup line. And be like, eh, I think I'm going to wear something else for the first half. Oh I'm like, my God. All right. Jealous. <laughs> really jealous. Uh, where do you typically buy your shoes? So I'm going to buy them. I find a lot of them on goat actually on the, the goat app because they, it's easy to kind of filter through there and um, find my size. So no stock X? why goat? Try, I just like how goat works better. Um, I haven't really dabbled too much in stock X, but there's something well, good and bad, but like being able to just kind of double click the the side button on the phone and apple pay and, and i don't even have to type anything in it it's too easy so sometimes i'll like come back from a road trip and i have like seven pairs of shoes at the door and i'm like i don't even remember doing this but oh well i'm interested to hear the
0: answer because i actually would say that i buy 90 percent of my shoes on StockX. i i've actually not had the best experience on on goat I, I have bought many things and i will likely buy many more but I, I I find it so much smoother on StockX. I find the the database, the options, they're they're a lot more fruitful. They're, there's a lot there. I'm 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 a lunatic. I'm I'm not even an, a professional player like yourself. Um, but but I I can't stop buying sneakers for many 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 years. It's a really terrible problem.
1: Yeah, it's it's an it's definitely an addiction for me as well. But I think for me, it's like from time to time. And obviously when there's big drops that come down that I'm like, okay, this specific shoe I'm, I'm on the hunt for. Um, but a lot of times, like when I'm on the road, especially during the season, I'll just literally filter to my size and just go through and see what I don't have. And and sometimes it's like, even if I have it, I'm like, well, I can always use two and then I can at least wear one. And, but yeah, man, the, The tough thing about the shoe game is there's always a new drop next week. It
0: never stops.
1: That's what's tricky.
0: Shoe game doesn't sleep. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially during COVID.
1: And I actually just got a great text just before we got on this call. Let me just hold on one sec. I'll read it to you. Um, What's up, bro? I know it's late, but I was able to get those Travis Scott dunks for you. And I was like, my guy. <laughs> so
0: it's on the way to Orlando, or what?
1: No, I, I told him to send it to to the house just because I don't know how long we're going to be here. I don't want to. I'll get tempted and I'll wear them, and then I don't want to ruin
0: Scuff them. Scuff so. them up at the Disney Resort, eh? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so how many pairs are hiding in the Powell residence right now? Oof, it's
1: been a while since I did a a head count of the gang, but I would say between. 350 or 350 375 or so total but i actually just got rid of a, a bunch um that were kind of like beat down and like i'd worn a bunch and and we're older but yeah i would say about 350 375
0: can i be honest sure i'm a little excited i'm 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 hanging out in in that ballpark i'm somewhere with you <laughs> i'm somewhere nice. with you and it's good and very bad
1: <laughs> I don't know which side it's leaning to. Nah, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You can enjoy it.
0: I mean, I can't not not enjoy it. I don't know if that added up, but it's uh, <laughs> whatever. We we keep going here. So so minus PJ Tucker, who you mentioned, that's the easy answer. Who are the biggest sneaker collectors that, that you're boys with in the league? Quality, not quantity.
1: Yeah. Courtney Lee on our team actually has a very good um, shoe game. He's got He's got a bunch of exclusive stuff. He's been in the league a very long time, so he has some some good connections for as far as fashion is concerned, and, and through Nike and through Jordan and all those you know big name brands. So he comes in with some heat uh, on occasion for sure, and he's not afraid to wear them. I'm trying to think, because the tough thing is the avid avid collectors. You don't really see them as much because they're not you know on feet all the time. But but yeah, if it's if we're talking quantity, I would definitely say Luca's. He's got to be there, one of the most in
0: the league as far as number of shoes. Yo, mail me a couple of those layup line shoes, eh? Like I'll, <laughs> I'll give you off off interview the uh, the address and just like slip a couple of pairs, man. Come on, that's the...
1: You won't miss them.
0: <laughs> I can't get over it. I've been on a major sports cards buzz the last few months, been buying a ton of NBA, a lot of NFL cards to hold, sell when the time is right. I don't know if you realized... But I had to mention how that industry is completely booming right now. Honestly, it's insane. I, I I know you've been on a few beauty cards. I actually bought a bunch of them this week before we got we got on the call today. Um, so I'll, I'll text you those later. There is uh, there's a, a bunch of sick ones on eBay. I had to get them. Um, how how does that whole process work from from Making it to the league to being on a card.
1: Well, before I answer, I'm actually curious how much did you pay for for my card on eBay?
0: (laughs) 12 bucks for a couple of them, but they look like they should be worth like six, seven hundred bucks. We got the Jersey.
1: Hey, twelve bucks is a lot (laughs) for a card.
0: Jersey auto, and I jumped to Immaculate and Flawless. So like I went to the to the good niches within the, the, the Panini card family. And, uh, and I scooped a couple of them up, man. Number to 99. I'm excited. Should get yeah, them soon. That's awesome. I had to do it.
1: And mine are authentic. because I actually signed mine myself. So if it's autographed, that's actually me. If it's not like one of my boys or something. <laughs> Is that
0: a thing? Is it, like, you don't have to name names, but like people do that?
1: Hey, man. I signed mine. I know that.
0: <laughs> wow, man. That's such a r- crazy move, man. What a weasel move. <laughs> Slipping it to the boys wow yeah, but, but 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 don't don't they authenticate it
1: yeah for sure but think about it this way a lot of those like official letters from the president are signed by a you know an intern that is, has this machine that I can do his it's a real signature that he did but it's like a machine that does it so but anyway
0: <laughs> wow you're you're flipping everything upside down in my head right now i'm i'm a little bit in shambles at the moment <laughs> Has it ever crossed your mind that, that sports cards, many of them, actually hold quite a lot of value and are pretty hot commodities?
1: You know what? It's crazy. I, didn't, I don't really think about it much at all, actually. I mean, I think your first couple of years, you come across Panini, obviously, a lot as far as they want you to, to sign cards and they, they put jerseys in the cards. But yeah, I mean, I do some signings, some sticker signings from here and from time to time and some cards, but... I don't have much interaction with, with with that market outside of hotels on the road. So for people that don't know, like every almost every road trip there will be anywhere depending on how your team is doing and who's on your squad, you have anywhere from like five to twenty five to thirty five people outside the hotel usually waiting for autographs and all of them will have your card or they'll have posters or memorabilia or whatever it is or want pictures that they'll get signed the next day so that's pretty much my extent of my interaction with kind of the card world but i have like i have no clue like what one goes for or um or really even how to how to get them
0: wow i i, I mean i'm i i would love to tell you for two minutes if if you're if you would love the answer i i could tell to you fairly quickly sure first of all i'll tell you that you're your teammate luca these cards man they're they're going for thousands of bucks for shit cards like shit rookie cards like base out of a random pack Panini anything thousand bucks if that thing's graded and it's perfect condition several thousand and 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 wow. if there's a jersey there's an auto no lie not even messing with you 20k 25 30k like a Luca 1 out of 10 Jersey Auto Rookie, literally $30,000. You could buy the card. You could buy a Honda or two Hondas and drive them over a bridge and barrel roll out. Same price. <laughs> That's wild. Swear to God. I swear to God. Wild. Like uh, maybe after the call, if you can slip me a couple uh, Rookie Patch Autos uh, <laughs> and and a couple shoes, <laughs> I'd be pretty appreciative. <laughs> This is a real thing. And, and actually, I, I got into it from from a buddy of mine, Michael Vinacur. Uh He had a store, Sneak Peek Luxury, in, in Miami, in South Beach, sneaker guy. He was the big plug for the heat and, and anyone down in South Florida. Um, sold the business, pivoted to, to a company called Pull Wax. He started it selling sports cards, selling boxes. And then you open the box and it's like hand curated, fancy sports cards, People are freaking out. This is a huge, huge, huge thing. And and I guess next time you see it around you, honestly, uh, some of the companies are publicly traded. This is a billion-dollar industry. It, it, the prices, especially in basketball, stupid. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, keep your eyes open, man, honestly.
1: All right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind next time I see a guy with some signing beside a Luca card. I'll be like, yo, let me hold oh. that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let me see that real quick.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, did did you collect cards growing up? Not really. I wasn't like an avid NHL fan. Like I would watch here and there, watch some Leafs, but I actually had like a massive rookie card box of like NHL players um, growing up. And I don't know. I don't know why, but I think it was a it was like a passing gift from from like an acquaintance of like a family member or something and. Um, for whatever reason, I hung on to it for a long time, but I wish I could find it now. Now that you're telling me all this, it's probably worth some money. <laughs>
0: I'll be honest. I'm I'm in your situation. I'm in your shoes with, with the hockey as is, is literally the only thing I collected. Uh, it's not worth that much. Yeah. It's really not worth that much. It's not the same, yeah. which which is cool, but also not cool. <laughs> so I'm curious, who is your guy? When you're watching basketball as a youngster, even today, you know who's running the show today? Who's running the NBA in your mind, who's, who's just your guy, who you love to watch, and then also when you were growing up?
1: Um, I mean, growing up, I was definitely a, a big Raptors fan. I was in the era of kind of watching Vince Carter and, and then Chris Bosh. So those are were, those were kind of the big players in my eyes I was watching when I was coming up. But outside of Toronto, I was definitely a big Iverson fan as well. Um, growing up, that was like kind of the only jerk. Did you rock the Iversons? Uh, no, I, I wore the first, like, six pair of shoes that I got, like, NBA player shoe was, was the VC3s, but I definitely had the Iverson jersey was the first jersey I ever got. It was the only jersey I had for a long time, uh, which was which was dope, but, um I mean, now it's... Just, the league's kind of in a cool place where there's, there's a bunch of superstars that have, have very unique personalities, very unique styles of play, and they're leading this league in, in a very progressive manner, which I think is, is very important, especially for now, these these times that we have as far as what's going on in, in this country in terms of racial inequality and, and social un- injustices that are that are taking place. So um, we have some very you know conscious leaders that are... are using their voice in the right way so i mean we got guys like like lebron who's definitely at the forefront of a lot of that stuff and chris paul president of the of the Players association that you know take care of business on the court and are definitely leaders and, and role models there but are, are doing more than that which is which is cool
0: i'm so happy to hear that that those guys are are doing their best to make a difference in in the world in the league that's that's so cool i'm actually a huge lebron guy it's uh it's very cool that you that you mention him are you a fan of any other sports outside of basketball?
1: I mean, I love all sports. I grew up playing everything, um, I, except for I didn't really play any baseball for whatever reason. Uh, I played cricket in high school, but, but no baseball. Um, but Cricket? Yeah. But Oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, I'm a fan of all sports as far as playing, but I don't really you know, participate in any fandom of any sports outside of basketball basketball. Like I enjoy watching soccer, I enjoy watching volleyball or even golf, but I don't really have like a team or a a specific player that I follow in any of those any of those sports. So you didn't even say
0: football, so does that mean I shouldn't invite you to to chill on the Dolphins sideline with me in in the near future? You're you're not a football guy? Uh
1: I'm not a huge football guy. But I, I enjoy it. But it's like that's another sport I didn't play. I didn't play football either. So it's like, I don't have that connection with it as much, but I can definitely respect the game and, and, and enjoy watching it. But, but yeah, I don't like have a team or anything.
0: Very interesting insight. Um, can you, can you name a player who you see morphing into an NBA all-star in the next five years on the Mavs on any team?
1: I think is going to get there again. He's going to be in that caliber of player again very soon. I mean, now I'm going through it, so I'll learn just exactly how hard it is, but he missed 18 months, I think it was, like a year and a half of competition, which is tough. And in a very short period of time, he was you know back to his old self, which I think impressed a lot of people. So I think him alongside Luca is is gonna impress a lot of people and surprise a lot of people at how good both of them can be so I'm looking forward to that evolution the most
0: so we're nearing the end of the interview I wanted to cover a lot of ground shoot out some quick questions try to give me some short answers I have a lot of fun stuff in store is that cool? cool All right, let's boogie let's boogie top three restaurants in Toronto
1: ooh that's a tough one let's that's, go top three <laughs> top three quick quick are we going like quality or are we going experience? Just like nostalgia? where do you want to eat it doesn't matter okay. eggs
0: lunch dinner drinks okay, whatever the,
1: i'm putting the keg number one regardless of what anyone says that's like it's just like man classic um i got a spot called chatrabos which is persian food like up north young and steals um, what do you order there top three dishes at uh, chatrabos so I get Baziri plate or like Kubide or uh Sabzi like Persian food, so like
0: Man Gorba Sabzi man, what do you <laughs> You love it, eh?
1: The classic, you know, so <laughs> okay uh, and
0: where else? Last place, last place. Uh I
1: actually could really be like Lee's restaurant on King downtown. There
0: you go, that's a good answer.
1: They got that the the slaw which is which is nice.
0: Is it spicy?
1: No, no, it's got like flowers in it. It's like, it's crazy. Just eating those flowers up.
0: <laughs> have you ever been to Montreal?
1: I have one time. Um, went uh, in university kind of like with some friends, very quick trip. We went to a friend of mine flew in from East Africa and like the flight to Montreal for some reason was cheaper. So we drove to pick him up and spent like a couple nights, but it was a very uneventful trip and I need to go back.
0: Uneventful.
1: Yeah, it was. We didn't do it the right way.
0: <laughs> I could take care of a couple of nice dinners. I'm sure Avi and Betsy and Shmoli and everyone's gonna run into the city, so uh, we we could do that when whenever you're ready, you let me know.
1: Yeah, we got to do it up for sure.
0: Question that everyone everyone wants to hear: What's it like playing for for a Mark Cuban owned team?
1: It's great, man. It's really great. I mean, first and foremost, he's like a great guy. Like he's a he's a mentor. He's a friend. He's someone that like. You can pick up the phone and call if you have a question about business, if you have a question about basketball, if you have a question about literally whatever it is, he's there to, you know, impart knowledge and share his experiences. So that's that's been the most valuable part of the experiences for me. But he also treats this team like his his most prized possession and he he does whatever he has whatever he can in his power to, to make sure we have the best chance of being successful, whether that's hiring the best staff or, or equipping us with the best newest technologies and tools and, and you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever you can do to, to help us be successful. So, um, very, very fortunate to be in this situation for sure.
0: What's the biggest lesson that you've learned from cubes?
1: I think for one of the biggest lessons from him would be outside of basketball, When it comes to trying to figure out what it is you want to do, you can't be afraid to try things and you can't be afraid to make tough decisions in spite of circumstance. I mean, he told me one time, it's like, hey, there's never going to be a perfect situation. So the longer you wait for something to be perfect, it's just more time wasted. So you got to be decisive and and sometimes make mistakes to to learn from them and, and get to that final destination that way. And it's never going to be perfect. So that's something I've held on to
0: zero to 0.001% chance or 0.001% chance to a hundred percent that Cuban listens to this podcast just to make sure that you don't say anything crazy.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't think he, Cuban's at, at the end of the day, if I said something crazy, I don't think he would be upset about it. As long as it was something that I believed in or something that like I was being genuine about, like he, he'd have my back. So he's He's cool with it either way. <laughs>
0: what if you told Cuban that in this podcast we we said the top three craziest Avigalena stories? Would he listen to hear those stories?
1: <laughs> I mean, Cube's Cube's met Avi, so Cube knows Cube knows the deal. So he uh, no, he loves Avi. Avi's had an imprint on everyone he's met, so I don't think anyone would be uh, ashamed to share stories with him. <laughs>
0: So funny, man! What are the top cities that you've played ball in that you would recommend to a friend to visit? Not play basketball, but to check out, like just the best cities that you've had the privilege in playing basketball in.
1: Um, playing. Let's see. Um, I really love Madrid. Madrid was was really cool. Um, You're off to a good start. I like that answer a lot. Oh yeah, it's a great city for sure. Zagreb was really cool. Uh, Ljubljana was actually beautiful. It's like not what I expected. Um, Where's that at? Slovenia. It's where Luca's from. Um, wow. You, you played there? Yeah, I so went there. To, I mean, played, trained. We'll, we'll put that in the same bag. But I went there the last summer with, with Luca to work out and um, got to see a little bit there. And it's, it's actually really like a beautiful city, uh, beautiful like part of the world. Wow. And
0: what are a couple of the worst cities? the worst cities? If if you had a list, Dwight Man, write down three cities, you'll never have to go back. What are they?
1: See, that's the thing. Like with with the way that I've traveled as it pertains to basketball is like regardless of where the city falls on the list, like I, I wanna i I have an intention to go back at some point because the way I operate and, and whether it's with the national team or whether it's with you know the NBA. Um, I try to focus on if it's a business trip, it's a business trip. So I don't really get to to spend as much leisure time in these cities. So, um, I need to go back to the cities without a ball in my hand at some point before I can give you the bottom three officially. <laughs>
0: That's a cool answer though. I like that, man. I appreciate that too early to tell, eh? Yeah. yeah. Who's the hardest player that you've had to guard? Probably Kevin Durant. KD money, eh? Easy money sniper.
1: Yeah, you can play perfect defense and, like, be proud of what you've done and still hear that swish behind you. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, man.
0: KD. And who's the easiest player that you've had to guard? That's a tough question, by the way. The easiest player I've had to guard? (laughs) (laughs) Not on your team, not in practice, in a game, fully calling him out. Oh, that's tough. You know what? Maybe he's retired. Like, the game ended and you're like, buddy... Better luck next lifetime. Get out of here with that garbage. You know what I mean?
1: So it's it's funny because like just the way that the like the style of play has shifted since I've been in the NBA. Like I feel like I can't pinpoint one because there's been a bunch of games where I really haven't had to guard my guy per se. Like my like as a big like they'll just you know be setting screens and like it's it's very rare nowadays. It's especially compared to like two generations ago where bigs are just going at it one-on-one. Now it's about athleticism and skill and touch, and it's not so much just like square a guy up and ice him at the the elbow or on the block. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, it would just be some guys that are just not used. Like, I'll be kind of just out there playing help size. They're not really getting the ball as much.
0: All right, so the answer is it's a long list of unfortunate people that are significantly smaller in size than yourself.
1: (laughs) We can go at that sure.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. What is your best, the top Bass Lake Ranch memory with Avi and the gang?
1: <laughs> oh, let's see. I've had some good memories. Anytime I get out of there alive, that's a good memory. Because <laughs> I'm pretty much ask of every time I go up there, I I I look death in the eye, but I always I always come out on top. So,
0: <laughs> can I be honest? I, I, no lie, no lie, I almost died there. Yeah, no, I believe. Can you. I be honest? I almost drowned in Bass Lake. Jeez. <laughs> no, I did, I did. Like, you say that, I'm like, yeah, you know
1: what? I sympathize with that. I almost <laughs> died there. No, but it's the best. It's one of the best places on earth, man. Like, the, the energy up there, just the way he's kind of put it all together is this kind of like family project and and how involved like the kids are and and Simmons and everyone and the family and how he brings them all together every year it's it's the the vibe there is so powerful it's such a good experience so regardless of like poison ivy or like you know st- like stray animals <laughs> crossing you know your path like you you wake up in the morning there on, on like on a busy day when the whole family's there and like The kids are running around everyone's happy. It's like such a, such a good vibe, man. It's such a good vibe.
0: It's the best place ever. I actually just bought, um, probably would know this Four chickens. They're in my backyard. They're hanging out. Nice. Everyone asked me, what are you going to do with the birds when it's cold? The answer is I'm going to drive them down to Bass Lake (laughs) with like a nice Margal Farms tag on the leg and just slip Avi the birds. And I'm just going to leave the birds there from November to, to April and just let him take care of the birds in his birdhouse and uh, and then just have a couple good excuses to get down there. What, yeah, exactly. what, a, what a Disneyland, eh? What a great place.
1: <laughs> no, it's the best.
0: So who rocks consistently the best pregame outfits in the entire NBA? You're watching it, TNT, before tip-off, and you're seeing everyone slip in off the bus, and you're like, yo, come yeah, come on, man.
1: It really depends on your taste, you know? And I think that's what's been cool is, like, we got a bunch of guys, like, young guys that are kind of pushing the limits and, and you know, having fun with it and, and trying new things. And then, But you like that, or you're looking for your style? I mean, I'm all over the map as far as, like, my personal style, but, like, but then I look at someone, for example, like Harrison Barnes, who's going to come, like, super correct with like a custom fitted suit and like a nice tie and, and shirt, And he's like very professional. And I think he, that reflects in his game too, and the way he carries himself. But so there's a bunch of different, like, you know, a bunch of different flavors across the league. And, and then you got guys that are wearing sweats, but like just because of how our league is, like the way they rock them, the shoes they choose and like designer sweats and, and, and jewelry and whatever that they, they can, they can dress it up a lot. So it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, that's one of the cool things about this league is, is the, the way we can all express ourselves and be unique, has been, which is cool.
0: And now, whose outfits are complete trash? You have to tell me.
1: The, the bad side about what I said earlier about we all have the, you know, this, this freedom to express and we have so many diverse styles is like, with that, a lot of these guys have a lot of money. So when you come into the league and you're looking at these guys walk like walking in, in their, you know, thousand dollar suits and, and like fancy watches and designer T shirts, you're like, All right, I, I can't really wear this the swag or the drip that I wore in university. But, but I also can't afford to keep up. So I had a decision I gotta make here. I'm gonna either look trash or just wear team sweats and, and look trash, but at least I'm wearing team sweats. So yeah, we've had some some rookies, we've tried to, we've had to talk out of that in the transition to their second year or, or to, to the guarantee of their contract. So get them some suits at least or something like
0: that. You don't want to give me one name, eh? No one you can make fun of?
1: Oh, I can make fun of people for sure. Just
0: I mean, make fun of someone. Someone gets dressed and walks out and you're like, buddy, are you even kidding me right
1: now or not? I'm trying to think. Dirty had some, some rough moments, but he also, in his defense, played for a very long time, and he had to take some of those suits to the tailor and have them, you know, have them...
0: Just garbage, eh? Just, like, dusted out baggy jeans, like, who even knows?
1: Yeah, yeah. some of those are straight to incinerator, but, like, some of them could be salvaged. <laughs> some of the suits could be taken in and, and like, you know, a little more of a European-Italian cut and fix them up a bit, but, yeah, the suit game has definitely changed in the league over the last 20 years.
0: You've been killing it deep from 3 land. Will the deep ball be a big part of your
1: game moving forward? Yeah, it's for sure something I've been working on a lot and, and trying to develop. And as the game changes, versatility is important. And the way we play, having space on the floor is, is crucial. And, and that threat, even just of having the three-ball range, opens things up for Luke, opens things up for, for KP, and, and helps us have more flow in our game. So um, that's something I'm. I've been working on for for a long time, and I'm starting to I'm starting to work on even more now that I'm able to be on the court again with with this rehab, and it'll be something that I'll continue to develop for the rest of my career. Something I've always
0: been interested in, and I, I feel like for many years in a row now, why has the West been so much tougher than the Eastern Conference for quite a long time?
1: Yeah, I don't. It's tough. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I mean, and it's it's very evident that. A lot of the stars have have been in the West, and um, there's a a long tradition of that as far as dominance over the East. I guess you could say. Yeah, I I couldn't put my finger on it on a specific reason. Yeah, but it, it's it's definitely pretty apparent. It
0: feels that way. It just feels that way. Yeah. Does having a shared NHL and NBA arena affect your day to day routine?
1: No, not at all, actually. We have our own practice facility um, across the highway, so we only really spend time at the arena on game nights. We have our own space that so we can use twenty four seven whenever we need it um, outside of there. So yeah, we really have very little interaction with those guys as far as like crossing paths in the arena.
0: You're never chilling with
1: Sega? No, no. I actually don't don't even know him. No.
0: Wow, oh, uh, you want me to introduce you to Segi?
1: Yeah, when you get home for sure.
0: <laughs> do you ever get as excited as I do when a schedule comes out for each and every season?
1: I mean it's it's weird because I can see from a fan's perspective how like you looking at matchups and, and like thinking about big games and stuff. But for us as players, like every year is, is different. Obviously the when you see certain stars on certain teams if there's movement then there's certain excitement around that, but you really don't know who's who's as good as you think they are or as bad as you think they are until about, I don't know, 15 games into the season. So at that point, you kind of go back and look at your, your schedule again and then you kind of, you know, see where you're at.
0: I mean, the best example is Golden State, right? Like yeah. people are looking at Golden State this year like, man, everyone's hurt, everyone's traded, trash, who cares about Golden State? But earlier, you never know, right? It's like the hypest thing. Exactly. Never exactly. know. Do you own a cowboy hat? <laughs>
1: no, not really. No, I have a cowboy shaped hat, but not an official Cabela's style like cowboy hat. No, yo, why, man? I don't know. I I plan to actually go to. I don't know. Uv has a place somewhere in Toronto to do custom ones. I need to. I need to go with him. He'll he'll take care of it, but in Texas, yeah, I should have one.
0: Avi will be very, very happy if he's the reason that you buy your first hat. So that you know what, that's cool. Give give that to Avi. He'll he'll actually appreciate that. I will. I will. How old were you when you dunked for the first time? Regulation height must have been
1: thirteen or fourteen, maybe.
0: Come on! Oh my yeah. god, man, I'm such a loser. <laughs> Dwight, what is the most memorable dunk you've ever done and that you ever remember seeing?
1: You mean dunk in person?
0: Yeah, like you're posterizing someone in the face, get out of, get out of here. What's that dunk? And then you sitting at home in the living room, turning on the TV. Woo! You know, like those two.
1: So for me... There's actually two. So one of them is, like, for nostalgic reasons, like, somehow the stars aligned in my... The final game of the NCAA tournament that we played, we lost to Dayton. We played the game in Memphis. and We played at the FedEx Forum, the the arena that Memphis Grizzlies play in. Um, And so that was my last college game. So when I was in Boston, the first time I actually, like, got a shot up, the first time I scored was in Memphis and it was on the same basket and it was an alley-oop backdoor alley-oop so that first dunk was like it was kind of like a. if it was a movie there would be like music playing from that point on to the credits you know what I mean and, and the rest is history kind of thing you know what I mean because last basket on that on the same basket and then the first basket in the NBA on, on the same basket was kind of cool but um as far as like in your face like crown was probably one of my first one of my first games when I was in when I got to Dallas, it was like garbage minutes. There was maybe three, four minutes left in the game, we're up by a bunch and we're about to check in, kinda of sub all the starters out. And Raymond Felton was on the team at the time and Ray looks at me, he's like, Hey man, when I pass you the ball, just shoot it. Like, don't be scared, don't hesitate. Just if I pass you the ball it means you're open, shoot it. I'm okay. And he's like, Look at me, shoot the ball. I'm like, All right, cool. So he's he's like basically let me know he's gonna take care of me, have my back, whatever coach says, he's gonna wanted me to you know get a basket i just got traded there i was kind of wide-eyed and whatever and one of the first plays he kind of set the guy up drew the defender over and like rolled it down the lane and i had like just a clear like launch pad and took off and it was like it was just right over him i can't remember who it was oh, i can't remember his name but i have it on my instagram if you look through you'll see it on but yeah that was the first like and i think it showed some guys are like oh like they, the guys on the bench were kind of like surprised they didn't they didn't see that in me but but that was that was one of my favorite ones from from back in the day
0: so you're in the finals in the dunk contest what move are you pulling
1: out Oof. see i'm not much of a dunk contest dunker
0: no but you have to be in this question
1: i will be i'll probably i would attempt like maybe like a 180 through the legs kind of like a through the legs reverse or something or maybe like a a windmill off the glass off the side of the backboard. But yeah, some of the stuff these guys are doing now is just like Levine and and Gordon, those guys are just on another level, which is
0: crazy. That was in Toronto, by the way. I actually went to that Valentine's Day weekend with the wifey. That was a sick, sick, unreal all-star game dunk contest.
1: Yeah, so I played in that that rookie-sophomore game. So I was at all the stuff, all the events. And luckily for me, it was in Toronto. So I had like tickets for the whole family and friends and, like, coaches that I had growing up. So, gave a bunch of people from, like, my upbringing a really cool weekend. Do you remember how cold it was? Oh, it was nuts. And I was wearing a suit because I was going to, like, events and I was doing different things. So, I was wearing, like, slacks and, like, negative 25. Like, it was... That was rough.
0: Yo, a few a few weeks ago, I mentioned some, some of my top memories in my life. One of them was li- legitimately walking by the Jordan store Jordan experience whatever you want near the Eden Center like on one of the cold days that weekend people were just huffing and puffing spitting cold air just disgusting weather it was actually actually like people saying like oh let's go to Canada how cold it's gonna be it was so cold it was like yeah it was the worst
1: man. Yeah, it was that was rough. And I felt bad because a bunch of people like have like a like a bad taste in their mouth from that as far as their you know relationship with Toronto and with Canada. It's like, yo, it's so cold. I'm like, yeah, it gets cold, but like this is this is extremely cold. Like this is abnormal.
0: I love it, man. And you know what? By the way, muzzle Tov, no more questions. I'm not gonna bug you anymore. <laughs> That's it. But just as like a quick, quick nightcap, super happy that you said Toronto. Because I actually like that. It's true. There's like, like to me, it's Toronto, you know, but like people from, from Montana, Trana. I like that. That's (laughs) actually what it is. I hear that. I hear that in the eardrums (laughs) here and there. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's what the cool kids are saying these days. Trana. (laughs) It's not like that in the rest of the country.
1: No, no, for sure.
0: But Dwight, man, thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm personally, I'm so happy that I could have kept you company for an hour and a half on your first day at the Walt Disney Resort in Orlando, Florida, chilling in your hotel room at the Grand Floridian. That's like, it's unbelievable for me. For me personally, thank you. You've done me a favor. Super cool to chit chat with you. I hope you had fun. I hope no one has asked you many of these questions if they have cool, hopefully you answer them a little bit better with me. but thank you, Abby. Thank you dwight. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for chilling i I really deeply appreciate this i and i I genuinely cannot wait until the next time that that we get to see each other. In person, I'll have the NBA bubble ring. You'll know my blood pressure. You'll know everything. <laughs> I'll be clean. Don't even stress, bud. And like, just you're you're the man, bro. Thank you so much.
1: No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This has been it's been fun, and I'm here self isolating, so good to pass the time and reminisce a bit. So it's been good.
0: Have a good night. You know what I would do if I was you. I'm lactose intolerant. I would get the French onion soup, hold the cheese, little broth, little bread, little spice. Sure. Maybe <laughs> like like a like a burger with a side of fries and a side of mayo to dip. But like chuck the buns because it's useless <laughs> carbs. Just like kiss the kiss the patty, touch the French fry sticks like that. I, I would be doing that as long as you can't leave. You better go crazy with the room service for me man. Like I'm I'm a big variety guy when ordering.
1: Yeah, I'm about to dive into this this menu right now and see what's what's going on.
0: There you go, baby. And and thank you for diving into all the topics with me. Really appreciate you, Dwight man. I
1: appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being a part of episode 11. It's a wrap, buddy. What a fun episode. Super cool to finally talk to someone outside of my bubble. Someone that I don't necessarily have as long of a relationship with. Sharpen up the skills. Work on the interview tactics. Really fun for me. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being a part of this. What an awesome episode. Episode 11. It's in the books for life. I am going to come back to you next week with some more sports-related content. Such a little fun buzz that we're on right now. Last few weeks, real estate. This few weeks, sports. So cool to be able to just call the shots. You know what? Let's talk about this in July. Let's talk about this in August. What a buzz show. Take care, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Make sure that if you are not already, pull out Instagram. Go and follow at Pod. And from that page, you will find links to the various different platforms that the podcasts are released every week. If you want to circumvent IG and just go directly to the source, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just about anything. Go give us a follow. Let's keep this thing rolling. Spread the good word. And let's all just chill. Take care, everyone. Until next time.